This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I am here with new Eat to Perform members. Uh, we were struggling to figure out what to call this, um, and then we kind of called it live coaching. Now, for this, you know, if you're not familiar, um, Eat to Perform members all have their own one-on-one -on -one coach, which I think most people on this call would know that they can message their coach in the app. So if you have like really super uber specific questions that might be a little bit more involved, make sure that you're using the message a coach button and early and often, right? That's your way of connecting with your coach. And what I think happens for a lot of people early on that don't is they kind of feel lost and disconnected, you know, right from day one, you know, being able to communicate with that coach is a really big deal. Uh, we also have uh, Lifetime being um, served up. We, we only do Lifetime every four to six months. Uh, kind of the basic idea of Eat to Perform is that, you know, we don't want people in like these rinse and repeat cycles like most diet programs. And because, you know, as most of you know, maybe, maybe as we go through the, the podcast, the people listening will know a little bit better. But food moves both up and down, right? So we normalize your food after uh, the diet cycle. And that really is kind of a lifelong process because truthfully, you when you do it the way that we do it, it doesn't mean you will never manage your weight eventually. But I have a great example of somebody recently that, you know, she, uh, she had been basically two years without dieting, right? And then um, after that two-year period, we did like a quick six-month cleanup. And then, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, six-week cleanup. Um, and then very quickly, she was able to move uh, back to her normal calories. So, you know, it, it's not one of these, these things where you're just under eating all the time. Right. And, you know, we know obviously as anyone that's done any kind of dieting that even that you're going to gain weight eventually. Right. Um, and, and, you know, most people feel paralyzed by kind of those low numbers and what, you know, part of the big thing that separates us is that you aren't paralyzed by those low numbers. We get you back to normal relatively quickly. So lifetime is is what it describes right like once you uh, once you pay the the price you know um, you are a member for life I will say that it is for nutrition and all of the products that we're offering now we do have a training component that we're going to be beta testing relatively soon and uh, we don't know if we can even include that with this, right? Because, you know, part of that testing process is what works best for clients. And we do kind of think that uh, clients are going to want to interact with a coach. So we may end up doing an add-on. There's just so many things, but what, what I, my main point of bringing this up is that the one-on-one -on -one coaching nutrition service with the, the templates you'll have that available to you forever, right? So um, that's the big 
deal there. All right. So probably the biggest thing that a lot of you are going to need to know for starting off is something that we bring up a lot. I'm sure that as a new person, this gets, you know, almost frustrating how much you hear it, right? But the best thing you can do by far that will make the biggest impact on you and your success at Eat Perform is logging the day before. And that logging the day before is really life-changing. Um, I do it. Carolyn does it. Becky does it. You know, we've been doing the plan for a very long time. And I know it feels like one of these things that, oh my goodness, yet another thing, right? It actually works the opposite of that, right? Because, you know, it's sort of a discipline equals freedom idea. And, you know, as we all know, there's certain things that if you have off of your list, it will make your day more productive, right? And so if we look at meal planning, you know, for my meal planning as an example, uh, you know, I really don't do that much. Um, I always have a couple steaks. Um, I cook a lot of chicken, right? So, so this is very well known within the Eat Reform community. And I'm big into bowls. Um, so if you think of it like Chipotle that you make at your own home, it would be similar to that, right? Where um, black beans are really big for me. I, I eat a lot of beans because beans are great for fiber. So if you're kind of looking, to, if you're starting to see that your fiber's low, um, that would be something to look at. The, there's a couple things within the app that we should probably talk about that I think might be helpful. So a, a great example. So my, my daughter, who is going to be 20 here in a couple months, um, she just started Eat Perform. She is training to be a uh, firefighter. And Carolyn is her coach. And uh, it, it's, it's funny because my daughter is, um, she comes home and she's like, Carolyn told me to do this. So, you know, I went to the store and I got this, you know. And uh, my daughter's also a vegetarian. Um, and one of the things that I want you to hear as I'm talking about this situation is that my daughter is, um, she is not dieting right? We, we really only have two teens that I know of. Both are in performance. I'm not a big believer that teens need to be um, running these fat loss cycles. I think that's how a lot of us on this call probably ended up here, right? Where we, we used our dieting trump card a little bit too early in the process, and we could have used... Um, we could have used performance. And what's funny about both Emily and Stephanie is that Stephanie is a division one athlete. You know, she's really more trying to put on muscle than anything um, going into college, because I don't know if you've ever seen, like my daughter's a college freshman, you know, they're still, they still look like high schoolers. You know, if you're a senior division one athlete, you look like an adult, right? And so a lot of times, you know, these programs, they'll redshirt those, those kids so that they can get their bodies adapted for the sport. But Stephanie's closing in on 3000 calories. Uh, my daughter is 25 to 2700 already. Um, and, 
you know, they're both uh, leaning out also. That's not the bigger goal, but they, they're both uh, leaning out. And my daughter, as an example, so I don't know if she told you this, Carolyn, but uh, she was running at a very slow pace and she picked up four minutes on her uh, on a three mile run. So she's like really super excited and she's starting to believe this whole leap before thing, ironically. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, no, it really is super cool. And so um, once again, you know, I know I mentioned it before we started here, but uh, we do need questions to kind of get this going. That's sort of the idea here is that this is a Q&A uh, session. Um, the other thing that, that comes up a lot, especially during the summer, is sodium, right? Because, you know, within the app, um, yeah, and oh, oh, by the way, rather than unmuting yourself, um, use the chat, sec uh, chat section of the Zoom call to ask the question. That way we can kind of run it through that rather than, you know, a lot of people trying to talk over each other, which doesn't tend to work all that well. The sodium, especially during the summer, uh, is somewhat, uh, it's somewhat flexible, right? So in the app, male or female, the number set at 2,500. We may change that at some point, but frankly, it's not that big of a deal. So if you're Sodium is at 2,600, you're sweating a lot, you work out a lot, you're outdoors, and it has little to no effect on your weight, then we're good, right? But what happens a lot is, especially for new people, you're starting to make this adjustment from this place of maybe being overly reliant on processed foods and then we're trying to move you to more whole foods as possible. And so in that adjustment, your sodium actually looks a little bit high in the process. What your coach is looking at, so let's say that your, your sodium is 4,000 milligrams, because my, so, my um, daughter's sodium is often relatively high. But she's not seeing these spikes in weight the way that some people do. And so what happens is, is, is you're, you're talking to your coach and you see a little spike in weight and your coach says, well, yeah, your sodium was 4,500. Maybe you weren't even paying attention to your sodium in that, in that moment. And so now we kind of try to examine your food log or have you examine your food log to see what is causing that sodium spike, right? And if we can take that away, does that then bring weight back into a normal range, right? So in the case of my daughter, who's doing fine, she's not seeing weight spikes, we're not gonna really ask her to change her sodium, even though it's a little bit higher, because, you know, once again, she's, you know, training with a 45 pound backpack on her day, on. Uh, 45 pound back on her on her back and then she's training in the middle of the day under the harshest conditions so that when she uh, faces her test that she will be able to pass it with no problem right so try not to be super obsessed about that in terms of fiber you know I know we already went over it it's basically 14 grams per thousand calories and so if you're let's say 40, 
grams of fiber, no big deal. What we were really seeing a lot of that time was there was a lot of, you know, paleo type of movement when we first built the app. And so we would see people that would come in with like 90 grams of fiber, right? And so, I mean, like how these people ever even like went to the bathroom, you know, was, was kind of wild. But if you think about it, there's two things that blunt, you know, your uptake into your bloodstream and into your muscles, and that's fat and fiber, right? And so what we don't want to do, of course, we want mostly whole foods, but we don't want so many whole foods that one, you can't meet your, your macros. A lot of the people would say, oh, I can't, I can't eat this much. And all of a sudden, you know, you realize, well, you're just eating like chicken and kale. It totally makes sense that, that you're intentionally blunting your hunger signal, right? So if we can get that fiber down to a reasonable level, you know, even 40 is much more reasonable than say 90, but it's very common. In fact, Carolyn, um, as a vegetarian, it's very common for vegetarians fiber numbers to creep up. So that's right. a little bit where the coaching can help. So I am seeing questions. Let's go, let's, let's go ahead and, and start the questions. Cause if we can do the whole podcast with questions that would, that would thrill me. Okay. We've got, um, uh, one question, how to get all my protein in without going over in carbs, fats, sugar, and sodium. So, so that has to do with pre-planning. Yeah. So that, that, that comes back to, you know, planning the day before, right. Um, you know, a couple tips, you know, from my perspective, uh, you know, if you are a meat eater, uh, there's a few things that are just like these amazing hacks, right? So, so fat-free yogurt's an amazing hack, fat-free fat milk, amazing hack, cottage cheese, amazing hack, um, chicken, amazing hack. All of these give you the ability to have protein without fats. Now, in terms of carbs, you're gonna have to plan ahead of time, right? The, wor the biggest reason why most people fail when they first start off is because they didn't come in with the mindset of, I am willing to do just about anything to succeed, right? And so what happens is, is they start wanting to wing it and winging it. I mean, I just told you guys, like, like virtually every coach on the Eat Reform staff, we plan the day before and we could wing it, right? But we don't. And the reason why we don't is because one, I think that's stressful, right? I think kind of knowing and having prepared your meals and things of this nature. Today, we got both of our shipments from Target and from uh, Amazon Fresh today. They delivered our groceries straight to our house. You know, I know not everybody has that available to you, but you will eventually. And it is such a game changer to have those basics. It's sort of funny because right now, you know, because of the loosening related to COVID, um, you know, I'm going into grocery stores more than, than I used to and I'm realizing all these things that I wasn't buying. Right. Um, I mean, it was amazing so much how, how much money we all saved, you know, just by, just by working that way. So, um, really it, it does come down to planning. Uh, the other thing 
is uh, whey protein or, or, or even a plant-based protein is really helpful to fill in the gaps. I mean, if you can get in, let's say 20 grams through whey protein, I know some people kind of, you know, there's a lot of programs that have these sort of myths out there related to certain things, right? And whey protein is sort of one of them for a million reasons that I don't even want to get into. Here's what you need to know about whey protein though, and plant-based protein. They are more bioavailable. It goes something like whey protein, eggs, and then steak is like way down the list, right? And the reason why is because anything that you drink is more available to you easily, right? So having in, having one protein drink, uh, maybe in the evening, uh, if you have something, macros and room for something like oatmeal, you can put it in oatmeal. You know, I, I have oatmeal uh, with protein powder and uh, peanut butter. And uh, now I'm in performance and I'm at 3,500 calories. So I've got a lot more flexibility than maybe some of you do, um, especially if you're new and came in with fat loss. Um, so that answers that question. It brings up another question though. And your coach is going to help you with this. You know, a lot of you probably came in with the idea that, that you want to do fat loss, but you maybe came to us dieting. If it was up to me, every single client that started with Eat to Perform would start in performance. Here's why. This comes down to math, right? And what you want to be able to do is start with the best math possible. And if the best, best math possible doesn't happen right now, that's okay. We'll figure that out eventually. You and your coach will negotiate that. But most of you know if you came to us dieting, right? And so if you came to us dieting and you know you want additional fat loss, occasionally we can get the, the needle moving, but not to the level that maybe you want, right? And so be open to the fact that you should be able to reverse your macros relatively quickly because what's going to happen when you do that is you're going to see more success and you'll be less frustrated, right? We, we don't grant wishes. And at the end of the day, um, this really does come down to math and math over time. Now, there's always going to be the scenarios where you've been dieting really most of your life, right? And you know, I talked about this in one of the last podcasts that we uploaded, but, you know, what it really comes down to is it kind of depends based on a lot of different factors, right? It, it, it depends based on activity. It depends on how long you've been eating 1200 calories, right? If you've been eating 1200 calories for four months, you know, it's probably best to, to, to hit a, performance cycle. If you've been eating 1200 calories for 30 years, we might be dealing with a little bit more damage to heal. But I can tell you for fact, this is the best place for you to really kind of regain any level of metabolism that you want. So kind of keep that in mind when you're having these discussions with your coach. All right, Carolyn, what do we have next? So you just kind of touched on that. This next one from Lynn is um, how do we fix our metabolism from a, from a chronic under eater? Is it even possible? 
So it is possible, um, and I don't really need to get into it too much because I've been talking about it a lot. I actually wrote a, po- a post about it today. The way that the way that people tend to diet, right, is you go to the most aggressive options, the detoxes, the super low calories for super long time, and it gets really frustrating until you kind of hear what we talk about, right? What I can tell you is that from a standpoint of calories, the majority of you are just easy to fix, right? Way more than you think you are, right? Because, you know, if you want, if you want to see proof of it, all you need to do is go to the photo section of the member group. And we literally have eight years of people that had the success that all of you probably want to get. But we all kind of want this faster immediately and you kind of have to lose that right that is that is the one thing that we're saying that you know i know probably if we if we if we told the truth about it you know um it probably does hold us back and we do tell the truth about it but if we were to say you know exaggerate things a little bit we could get more clients but all of you know the truth by now. I mean, I was talking about this with Susan, Dr. Susan Kleiner, who does a podcast with me. And the biggest problem that we, we have in dieting is that, you know, people want to buy into all of these myths, right? But by the time they're 45, 50 years old, maybe even a little bit older than that, they're willing to hear the truth. But the problem is, is that they may have caused a little bit of damage along the way. Now, here's the good news. Even if you've experienced some level of hormone damage or, so I have a customer uh, client I've been working with for probably three years now, right? And then we just found out that her testosterone's below one for free testosterone. Well, we've been able to keep her, you know, weight stable through that whole process right? So we've added lots of calories, you know, in that process. But the weight, the, the weight loss has been frustrated. And so now she's, she's going to her doctor and, you know, trying to get a referral to a hormone specialist. But the problem is, is that the way most people do it is they go detox, diet for 30 years, hormone specialist. And then, oh, by the way, that's what I talked about today in, in today's article, is that when you start taking hormones, the last thing you want to do is under eat, right? And so what happens is people go, oh, my hormones are messed up. Well, your hormones might be messed up, but you know it would be more beneficial for you to let your hormones do what they're supposed to do, right? And so what happens is, is people go, well, assume... Well, the reason why my dieting isn't working is because my hormones are messed up. Your dieting probably isn't working because you've been you've you're not making any deposits into your 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 bank, right? Your bank which is your metabolism. And so if you don't make any deposits, you can't make any withdrawals, right? And so that's what the real problem is. And, and the funny thing about the whole hormone thing that a lot of people are gravitating towards or want to grasp as their, their last thing, virtually any hormone that you get 
is is the the side effect is going to be weight gain, right? Because what it's going to do is going to cause some level of inflammation, right? It's going to try and build more lean mass. It's going to try and uptake your metabolism. That's what all of this stuff does, right? And so what ends up happening is is you're on kind of a relatively low dosage. And, and I'm, I'm mostly speaking from my experience. I'm not a hormone specialist, so kind of keep that in mind. But what they don't do when you start, because I'm on testosterone therapy, I think most people know that that listen to this podcast, they don't start you off high, they start you off low, right? And then they gradually find, find where you're, you are. That's similar to the way that really, you know, we do it and virtually every other dieting program does it. And that's why I'm suggesting to you that actually having the numbers is better in the beginning. But, but you know, when you are starting off with some level of uh, hormone th- therapy, you know, they're not going to give you like the ultimate dosage. But if you continue under eating, it is going to stimulate that more dose, more dose, more dose, because you're kind of doing the wrong thing, right? And so I didn't necessarily want to go into like a hormone thing, but but there we go. So, um, but I, I'm just telling you, like on percentage, if you were to ask me a percentage, I'll put the percentage at about 2%. And usually it's very much related to um, age, right? So, you know, if you're mid 60s, you know, you might want to ask yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze to continue trying to lose five pounds or, or 10 pounds? But I think I can make a really strong, compelling, a really compelling argument for anybody over 60 that their life would be better eating an adequate amount of food and that actually they would age better. Right. So these are some of the things that, you know, what's your North Star? Right. Is your North Star losing five pounds or is your North Star aging better? Right. And most people that are 40, mid 40s, something of that nature, mid 50s that think that they're broken because they, they, they can't lose weight. They're just doing metabolic math wrong. And all the other programs kind of not telling you the full truth you know, they're the ones messing you up, right? And then we're the 15th diet program you try and it's gonna take a bit to figure out, right? But you're, you're, there's just so many examples that you can draw from to, to see powerful, you know, um, powerful testimonies that, that, that will ring true to you. So keep that in mind. I'll, I'll try and quit being so long-winded because I know we have, we're getting the questions piled up some quick ones here. So Allison was asking, um, reverse was mentioned in my journal, but I don't see that anywhere in the infographic or, or anywhere. Please explain what a reverse is. So reverse is simply the AP set, uh, AP or PR, right? So there's the six week dieting cycle, then there's the adaptation prevention. So what we're essentially trying to do is not get your body to pl- plateau. And that's a short reverse. It's a really short quick reverse, right? So in the six weeks, you're dieting in the, in the three to four weeks, you're not dieting and we're normalizing your calories relatively quickly for the second six week cycle, right? 
Then after that six week cycle, then we try to reverse you all the way back to normal, whatever that is. That process can be slower or faster. It sort of depends on you. Ironically, faster is better, right? Um, we, we talked about that on multiple podcasts. You can go back and, and listen to those. But that's basically what we're talking about is that AP and PR section, sessions are the sessions where um, you are reverse diving. Um, Adam is asking about PR here. So he, he did ask about starting out in PR and you kind of um, spoke on that already. Um, since, since weight loss isn't the best tool or measuring stick because you're in PR, how do you keep people from getting down on the fact that they are not seeing results? Um, so I, I, this is one of those specific situations that really I can't address right? Because I don't know your specific situation, but I can speak to it in general. Maybe that would be helpful and I'll try to do it in a relatively concise manner. Um, so you've come to us dieting, right? Or you're like, well, I wasn't dieting, but I was doing keto. You were dieting, right? Or I was doing some other thing that was intuitive eating and you, you know, were intuitively dieting. So now your calories are relatively low and we're trying to kind of get you back to where normal is. The problem that you have with, let's say, weightlifting and you have, you know, a certain amount of fat, nothing too bad, but, you know, you're going to the gym, you're eating all this food and you sort of want to rush the process a little bit, right? Like I saw a great post from a natural bodybuilder that came through my feed yesterday and um, he, you know, he's just got this, these massive legs and this lady asked him like, how long did it take? And he said 20 years. And she was like, what? You know? And I think, you know, as you start to go through the process, you will be more patient and you'll have to measure your progress a little bit differently. Right now, in terms of, of, of weight gain, there, especially if you're new, it's like, well, I'm eating more, aren't I? Am, am I supposed to expect to gain weight? Not really, no, but, but I, I think it is important that you're able to deal with um, some fluctuation, right? And so if you look at your super day, which um, is right after a low day, that typically is going to be what I would consider your baseline weight. With, as coaches, that's the day we pay the most attention to because we want to see how things are sort of progressing. If your weight is fluctuating two to three pounds, but then it comes back to normal, you know, the morning of your super day, you're good, right? Like, don't sweat it. But I think there's also another thing that happens, right? Where, you know, if we're all being a little bit honest, that there's some days with the beer, there's some days with the cheesecakes, there's some days with the cookouts. And now all of a sudden, what would we do in a normal situation like that? Well, we would undereat a little bit, right? To kind of deal with that. But Carolyn and Becky and Morgan and, and Amy and all the coaches that are on this call, they're telling you to stick to the plan. And the reason why we're trying to stick to the plan 
because we're trying to put those metabolic bank bank um, deposits so that we can make a withdrawal eventually, right? So if every time you overreact to that, you know, then we won't be able to. The majority of the time, you're going to be able to get that weight back to normal. But it's really frustrating because, you know, what you would normally do or what, you know, maybe if you were eating intuitively, you would just have salads for a week, right? And, and at the end of the day, that's what causes the problem. And so what you don't know and what most people don't know is that the body would fix it even without the salad. Right. And so that's what you sort of see over time. So I think it's kind of a hard question to answer without specifics, but that's the answer, right? Is that it's not so much that people are frustrated that their weight is up. It's that they feel paralyzed that they can't do what they would normally do. But that's what coaching is. Coaching is to get you to that best place. So you're making the best decisions so that we aren't in a tough place. you know, once we do move to fat loss, right? So hopefully that helps. Okay, um, Lori's question was about a reverse and we've touched on that already. Rebecca's asking any tips and tricks to deal with loss of energy and fat loss? I've noticed a big hit to energy and performance. Um, Kevin also wanted to piggyback on that question asking how we feel about pre-workout. Yeah. So, I mean, I use pre-workout every day. I just call it coffee, right? Um, Pre-workout is just full of caffeine. Um, Is it helpful? I think it's helpful. You know, I used to work out at 530 AM and I would just shoot like, you know, espresso, you know, I show up and like, Hey guys, who's ready to work out? You know? Um, And then I have that big crash, you know, after breakfast or whatever. So I don't have any problem with with pre-workout. Pre-workout is helpful right in in fat loss because you kind of well one you're rested typically and then you can have a little caffeine the problem that you run into with pre-workout and 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 i'll speak to energy levels also um is that uh if you take it too late you can affect your sleep right and so a lot of times when you're in a fat loss cycle your sleep is already kind of jeopardized because you know, eating less is a stress response to your body. And so what does stress do? Well, stress will often keep you awake or you go to bed at 11 and then you wake up at five, right? So you have to be sort of careful that we're still maintaining sleep hygiene as we go. In terms of uh, less energy, um, that's what eating less food does, right? So so like what you're considering kind of a bug is actually a feature, right? And so you go, okay, that's great, but what do I do, right? I'm lacking energy. This is why you see so many people that are so excited to get the food back. And this is why these programs, I mean, the sad part about what you're describing is that let's say that you're eating 1200 calories and you were eating 1200 calories for two years. And if that sounds ridiculous to you, it's not. A lot of people do it. And what happens is their body just adjusts and they don't realize that they're exhausted all the time because they're just not eating. You kind of, so first of all, you know, at your lowest, um, at your lowest calories, right? 
is where you would probably be the least energetic. But we don't start at your lowest calories. We, we kind of tear down as you go with up to four tiers down. So the majority of the time, you should have kind of enough energy. Um, what if you're in that last one to two and you're trying to milk it for as much as possible, you know, cut back on the workouts, right? I mean, part of the problem that you have a little bit with workouts now, don't, don't cut back on the workouts right out the gate, right? That is a gigantic mistake. Try and go as long as you possibly can. You're, you're not going to be working out at hundred percent, right? But it's a matter of priorities, right? So what ends up happening is you're having performance as a goal. The majority of your time as a eat performer and you're eating a normal amount of food. And so because you have all that energy, because you're working out at hundred percent, now we're able to keep you weight stable at much higher calories than you would normally expect, right? But that doesn't mean that you never have these periods where you kind of are uncomfortable. You're going to be a little bit stressed out. You know, we ha I had a client personally that, um, you know, we had to take her out of fat loss, right? This was a while ago, but we had to take her out of fat loss um, just because it wasn't a good fit at that time. And that's the value of coaching because many of you on your own, you would make some bad choices in that instance. So really communicate with your coach. And if you just need to complain a little bit, your coach is here for that, right? Um, and I think every coach can kind of realize and walk you through those moments. But if it starts to get really negative, look, this might not be the time for that cycle. Some of the, you know, some of the, the things I used to say a lot that I think is important, you know, is that we're here to help you. And part of helping you is telling you the truth when you might not want to hear it, right? And so banging your head against the wall, like at the end of a fat loss cycle, right? You're usually looking to get maybe four more pounds, you know? So occasionally somebody will say, well, you know, things look like they've stopped, you know, but, but I want to continue one more week. And it's round one. The coach is not going to really push things if we're not seeing movement, we're, we would just much rather normalize your food and then take a much better run at it in, 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 in fat loss too. So sadly, the low energy is a feature. But what you can do and, and what I do when I'm in fat loss, and I think all the coaches would also admit this, is that you kind of have to drag yourself off the couch and get those steps in, right? And, you know, get some good sleep. If, if there's anything, for like the pre-workout question, part of the pre-workout question is sleep. If you can get eight to nine hours sleep and keep those sleep hygiene habits going through fat loss, you're going to see things a lot better and you will be more energetic. So if you're asking me a hack, if you normally work out at, let's say, noon and you're getting good sleep in a fat loss cycle, let's say eight hours, not uncommon, you know, maybe it might be better to move your workout to nine if you can, right? Because you're well rested at that point. Now, all of a sudden, you're having less food, less energy. 
So at noon, or maybe if you're doing evening workouts, now those are going to be really a lot more difficult. So, so those are some ways to kind of think about things. All right, next question. Yeah, Adam's asking, um, how do you determine what stage someone is in and when do you see people shift to different stages? For example, for instance, starting off in PR, when do you start to look at moving to fat loss? So we look at it from perspective of the numbers, right? So we have kind of some basic numbers. I would say the most basic numbers that we look at, the calories are around 2,000. Now, a lot of you that are new to this, you're probably like, oh, 2,000 calories, that sounds like a lot of calories. That's like the baseline where we will consider you for a cutting cycle, right? Like there's just no point. We, we, we deal with hundreds of thousands of people at this point. There's just no point in pulling your calories down when almost nothing's going to happen or you're going to lose five pounds rinse and repeat it over and over and get frustrated over time, right? So for guys, that number's closer to, to about 2,600 calories, right? And what we're trying to do is kind of push you beyond that 2,000, beyond the, the 2,600, so that we then um, have more deposits in the bank so we can then make a withdrawal, right? And there's so many things positive about that, you know, upregulate your metabolism, but once again, kind of the opposite of what we were talking about in the last question. Now you have more energy. Now your body's more adapted to um, the, the activities that you're doing. Your rest is actually working, right? So all of these things are, are super positive. But uh, we have definite numbers, right, where um, we want to do it. And then once we sort of hit those numbers, we might ask you or your coach might, might say, Hey, look, you know, I know we had talked about, you know, you beasting it up and in the gym, just want to check in and make sure we're still on that path because I'm going to try and push calories. But if you do have fat loss in mind, eventually, maybe we might want to put that on a calendar or kind of come up with a basic idea. The, big idea with eat to perform compared to virtually every other thing that you've done is that we're being proactive rather than reactive. The more proactive you can be, the more success you're going to have. The more reactive you are, the least success you're, you're going to have. And I am willing to lose you as clients rather than put you in a cycle that is not going to work for you. Right. And I understand that gets frustrating. We got a lot of different ideas and, and, and tricks that your coach will walk you through to really help you with that process. But at the end of the day, we kind of know what math works and we kind of know what math doesn't work, right? And so that's the answer to that question. There's a couple questions in here. I don't know um, how to address these with my fitness pal. So obviously there's some issues with transferring right now. So Jen was asking, um, how does the lack of accuracy affect hitting our macros goal accurately? And how's the best way to deal with it, that transfer coming in? Martha was also asking about the fiber not coming in to the- from I answered team. both of those. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I yeah. scrolled down. That's okay. So, so actually, um, I do want to address this. Um, so one of the things that uh, 
you know, we're sort of changing as of today is that when you make an entry and you make a change to that entry, we know that that's what's causing the problems with MyFitnessPal. Rather than changing from, let's say, six to eight, you would be better off just deleting the other entry in your mobile app, right? Because basically it's drawing from the public API. And so if you delete it and then re-add, you shouldn't see problems. I think I'm right on that one. Um, but if you, But this is a question really more for customer service. And so if you're new, you're like, well, I don't even know how to reach customer service. It's a little chat button upper right in the app, right? And so um, that is a change from what we said relatively recently. But what it comes down to is that your public page or the public API where uh, we're able to see your data, it, it, the mobile's fine, but that's not where it gets drawn from. And so if we delete it and then change that entry, then it, it shows up correctly on the, on the public thing. So I don't want to get too much into it, but that's the answer. So you're more than willing to try it right then and there. Um, we do, you know, to ask, answer the question about data accuracy, I mean, we need, you know, accurate data. I mean, look, at the end of the day, our app is a coaching app. You know, and so the coach needs data. We would like to provide the convenience of that, but we don't own my fitness pal, right? We don't own all the various uh, food loggers that you can use. And so sometimes we do have to work with, you know, a bug or something that they have at the moment that they're trying to fix. So that's why you have the manual entry option is you can always override whatever issues that you have so that your coach does see accurate data. So I know that that can be a little confusing. If you're new, it probably seems like we're causing the problem. Um, that's almost never the case. There, the ePerform app is very simplistic in what it does and it allows you to have a communication with your coach. And then, like you said, that data, we can then use that data to make the adjustments as we need to. Um, Lori's asking um, basically how we come up with um, a person's macros. So do we take into account the individual's um, total daily energy expenditure? If not, why? Yeah, so um, Eatform is based on total daily energy expenditure, but the science on total daily energy expenditure has actually changed within the last 10 years, right? So most so I talk about this a lot. This is actually a full podcast. We did, we did a whole podcast on um, where we reviewed the book Burn by Herman Ponsner. And so you can, you can read that podcast. But basically what it says is for men, women, the number is 2,500. For men, the number is 3,000. When we're setting macros, we're setting them based on a relatively higher baseline and making adjustments as we go. So if you're new and you just started yesterday and you're like, wow, these seem higher, more often than not, you really don't know what your body's actually capable of. But when we first start with a client, we have to have some level of baseline. The baseline is actually fairly aggressive. The, the sad part is, is that there's a lot of people 
that come to us that have been dieting for a very long time that don't feel it's aggressive. And that that is a mindset change, right? But we are able to kind of change that as we go because part of what we know scientifically from total daily energy expenditure is that through the process of homeostasis, your body adjusts relatively quickly. So we have to keep adjusting as we go. And then homeostasis works the other way also, where um, your body adjusts as calories come back. And so um, we have based everything off of total daily energy expenditure. But, you know, there are some basic rules that we have to abide by scientifically. And, you know, truthfully, the macros aren't going to look that different from client to client. Right. But, you know, there are clients that, as an example, might be super active, but they ask for fat loss and probably need to adjust to performance macros in the beginning to see if that's a better fit. And then we can kind of adjust. But the the dirty little secret about fat loss. And, you know, there's. I put a picture of Rose, right? She had 109, uh, 101,000 steps um, using an ultra marathon. Rose hates it. All of our super endurance people hate it. Um, but their macros at the end kind of look similar to your macros, right? Like there's the difference doesn't end up being that much. Now, when they start off, right? Um, they, they will start at a higher number. But, you know, I always say this, you know, and, and I heard this from Adam Carolla at one point. He was like, you know, anybody making a million dollars would be, be happy, right? A year. The only person that would be unhappy would be the person that made 20, 20 million the year before. That's sort of what happens with our super macro people. You, your, your macros on the super top end, right? That's really more about building and sustaining lean mass. In terms of fat loss, right? Your body adjusts to that much quicker than you think. And so this idea that you can, you know, lose weight, right? Which is highly correlated with fat. Um, at these super high macros just really isn't how it works. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip the line here. TD includes your activity load, but your app doesn't let you log your exercise except for steps. How can you adjust someone's macros if you can't see the exercise someone is doing? Because in the book Burn, Herman goes over this really well. The total daily energy expenditure of a 70 year old woman that is sedentary compared to someone that is super active, isn't very different. The concept is being termed constrained energy, right? So a lot of you doing this exercise to try and burn calories is why I keep talking about this. You're trying to burn these calories and burning calories isn't what you're really exercising for. You're exercising to get better metabolic health. You're exercising to get better at exercise and you're, um, to a certain extent, being able to use available energy, right? The issue is that for many years, right? And we went over this in the history of dieting, 
is that for many years, many of you have been told you need to exercise to burn calories to lose weight. And in Herman's book, it very clearly says exercise actually isn't that great. And the science kind of tells you that. And anecdotally, we know this. We've been doing this. It was actually one of the biggest changes in the history of Eat to Perform, right? I'll fully admit to you that when I started Eat to Perform, the big idea was, hey, you can eat a lot of food and still lose weight. And I was able to do that. And I was able to change my body composition as a result. But through the phases, it was really more the calorie deficit that did the work, right? So all the phases that you guys are going through right now, first of all, they've been optimizing. They're so much better than anything that I was doing back in the day. But the calorie deficits were doing a lot more than the working out three times a day, right? And so right now, what you see is someone who doesn't work out near as much doing these workouts that I kind of didn't love, right? Now I kind of do what I love and I manage my weight, you know, mostly by eating more food most of the time. I just think most of you don't know how much food that you can eat. And if you did, your dieting cycles would be more effective. But chasing that whole TDE thing, if you go to a TDE calculator, it's wrong. It's based on bad math. I talked about that when I talked about um, the Noom podcast. Um, that Noom's math is wrong. And, and the majority of people that they're saying that they can get them a specific result, the reason why none of those people actually get that result is because they have the wrong math. And they're guessing, right? And that's fine to guess in the beginning, right? But you're better off if you didn't. That's why I say people should start off in PR. But even if you don't, you know, you got to at least have a good process. You can't just like bring people down to the lowest calories possible and then expect that that's going to go, right? The way that, you know, they're suggesting it will, because that's not how it works. Your body adjusts right through the process of homeostasis. And here's what's interesting. Um, through, a, through a conversation I was having with Susan, we were talking a little bit about space travel. And I don't know how many more questions that we have, um, but I'll get to them all. Um, and we'll try and get, get back to our families. But um, she talked about the concept of space travel. And all the math was based on our environment because we really didn't know how the other environments work, right? So what was happening over and over again related to space travel is we would send a ship up into space, right? And then we would predict the amount of fuel that it needed to get to Venus. And every single time the rocket ship or whatever had more fuel than we thought because the environment changed. Fat loss is exactly the same way. When you go down, it's very predictable and it changes very quickly. This is why our fat loss cycles are very quickly and why we put you through them and why we move you to normal calories strategically, right? But the other way, the other way you can get away with a lot more. So what happens is it's sort of like space, right? So when you're dieting, you're working with an environment that is restrictive and you know, yes, you would need to continue to work to a deficit if you only did that. And then it would get very frustrating over time. But similar to the space 
you know, analogy or metaphor, um, your environment changing changes literally everything. So when we add food, now all of a sudden we've improved sleep, we've improved, you know, your sex life, we've improved all these things that are really super positive, right? And so, um, and then of course, you know, there's the no small task of improving your metabolism along the way, right? So uh, that's a long way to answer that question. But, but a lot of this stuff, a lot of, you know, um, you know, even like on our macro calculator or whatever, if you watch the videos, I walk you through the math here has changed. And so here's the adjustments you need to make for that change, right? So because you're all getting coaching, you don't need to make those adjustments, right? But those adjustments are factored in based on what we know the current science to be. And also, by the way, what we know tens of thousands of people have, how they've responded to it. All right, Carolyn, it's the okay. lightning round. Here we go. We've got a couple questions in regards to activity. So Beth is um, in fat loss right now and she's doing um, a couple days a week of cardio, two to three times a week of doing, um, sorry, cardio and two days a week of doing weights. Uh, she's wondering what does she do when she gets to AP or PR? Do I need to try to work out more of a certain way Allison was saying she's more organic right now with her workouts, kind of like me up at the lake, paddle boarding, weight surfing, swimming kind of thing. I'm not sure which phase she's in, but maybe touch on um, activity in the different phases. Well, I'm always going to be a fan of, of, of doing what you love, right? And then we'll manage your weight with food, right? So, so you know, in a very real way, exercise, you know, and nutrition, I think, should be separated. Um, the, um, the other question, you're doing it exactly the way it should be done for fat loss. I, I have no improvements. That's exactly how I, I would suggest everyone do it. Um, all you do is reverse it when you move to, um, to PR, right? Um, the only, the only case where you wouldn't reverse it would be if like you're training for a marathon or you're training for a ultra or something of this nature where you really just need these massive amounts of fuel to fuel your performance, right? But um, the majority of you, as you're getting your food back, as you move into these phases, um, you, you're just best to view um, things where, so I think she said she, she does cardio three to four times a week. Um, you would probably want to move resistance training to three times a week. And then, you know, the cardio more based on feel or what you enjoy or, or something of that nature. Right. I, I definitely um, would like you to get out of the idea that you need to spend time in the gym to lose weight because there's, there's not a lot of science that backs that up. So I, I did get one. Um, so there was someone that came in late. They got the time mixed up and they have directly messaged me. If you could send that to chat, that would be better. And then Carolyn will read it off to me. Um, so yeah. that's to M. Mowry. All right, let's go. Um, Lightning round. Lori's asking about protein. Um, can you please explain 
why keeping protein around one gram per pound is beneficial for building lean body mass or muscle. So, so is she saying that she wants to have more protein? That's what I don't know. Right. No, she's just, she's just asking, um, why keeping protein around one gram per pound is beneficial. Because scientifically that's what the science says, right? So the science says anywhere from 0.7 to one gram per pound, um, based on what your body weight is. Obviously in kilograms, it would be a little bit different, um, of a suggestion, but I think what she might be asking is, is could she get more? Right. And cause there is like this thought process out there that if you could get more and actually the answer is yes, you can get more. Just ask your coach. There's no coach is going to say to you, Nope, no more protein, right? Protein is the, is like the free macro, you know, you can always get more protein, but the problem that you will have sometimes once you request more protein and is that favorable for le more lean mass? It might be, yes, it's certainly not bad. It's like buying a little bit of an insurance plan. One of the things that you sort of see with people that um, have collagen, right? So collagen is an incomplete protein. You would wanna like maybe ask for your protein to go up a little bit if you wanna take collagen because collagen is not really a, um, a whole protein. So that would be an example where you would want your, your protein to go up. Um, but no, your coach is typically not going to go. Now, if you start to say, I can't fit in my macros because my protein's too high, well, then we're going to have to have another discussion because that's why a lot of people like to have more protein. So in fat loss, if you want a little bit more protein because you think that'll make you feel more comfortable, just ask your coach. We're never going to say no, right? Um. Jen is asking, does someone transitioning into menopause change your approach to assigning macros? It does not. In fact, uh, it's the opposite, right? Um, the good majority of the time, people going into menopause, sort of, I, 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 I wish Carolyn could say this or Becky or someone else, because it feels like I'm mansplaining to you, but this is the way it works, right? is that more often than not, and, and by the way, this also happens to men, men suffer through andropause, which is very similar, right? So what happens is, is we all overreact to that. And then we start to compromise our, our metabolism as a result. Does it mean that, that, you know, you can eat this massive amounts of food eventually? No, right? But you get much more from the top end than you might think, and that affects the bottom end, right? And so if menopause affected women so acutely and that the answer was to eat less all the time, every single one of you would be ripped, right? The reason you aren't and the reason why men aren't is we tend to overreact and undereat as a result. Now, does that mean that they're limited? I would say they're more limited on the top end than they are on the bottom end. So we don't typically have, I mean, Rose, <laughs> Rose, the, the ultra marathoner that I posted, she's routinely at 3,500 calories. Um, but she, she, if she was, if she was 23, 
she would probably be at 6,000 calories. So we do adjust for it both, both on both sides, right? But not the way that you would normally think, right? Because typically most people, that, most women that are coming out as menopause, most men andropause, they want to be as low as possible, as soon as possible. And that's actually been more of the problem and less of the solution. And, and we know that based on not just the science, but also the 10,000 or so clients that we work with every day. Um, Elizabeth has a question. Uh, chronic undereater who is in fat loss here, history of overtraining for triathlons, recent lifestyle change has limited my exercise to three hours a week. Is fat loss still achievable when exercise is out of the equation? My body is actually enjoying the break. Yeah, so I suspect that your body is enjoying the break. The, the issue is that, um, you know, we're setting up the same old paradigm. Um, there was a study recently, and I, I keep wanting to get, get the link to it, but uh, I always forget to ask, um, that talked about why you need to keep calories normal when you're injured, right? You're right now in fat loss. If you're a chronic dieter, it's not favorable to be in fat loss. Um, we want to really work on that metabolism. So you kind of have this false equation that, that because, you know, you ran all the time or something of this nature, that was how you were managing your weight. The majority of the time you were managing your weight by just under eating all the time. And then when you then also overtrained, then you're stressing your adrenals and all the problems that everybody talks about, right? When you're injured, if you want to recover, you need rest and food. And so under eating in that instance, this is a great time for PR. Now, does that mean that your numbers are going to get to these crazy numbers that you might be able to get to if um, you were training? Probably not, right? But once again, you know, it would still allow for more recovery. And I think it might surprise you that you wouldn't gain weight. Now you can continue on your fat loss process. And one of the things that people think about me as a coach is they think that I'm constantly trying to talk people out of fat loss. No, I'm the exact opposite. If you choose fat loss, we're going for it, right? Um, I mean, I, I told the example of someone that I took out of fat loss. She at no point had any idea that was coming. I made that decision, right? Um, and so that's what coaches do, right? Is coaches are gonna try and help you walk through those difficult moments. But if you keep telling us we're having these difficult moments, difficult moments, then at that point, we're gonna make a decision. And, you know, like I said, you know, the right coaching move isn't always the right monetary move, right? And we're lucky enough to be in the position where we don't have to make decisions based on, you know, what's right for the money. I mean, we've never, we've luckily never had to do that, right? Um, and so, so I would encourage you, if you want to finish the fat loss cycle, go right ahead. If you're in fat loss one, don't do fat loss two. It's just a mistake, especially if you came from a, a chronically dieting and you're trying to um, recover from an injury. I mean, you can not listen to me, Right. But I'm just telling you, it's going to get more frustrated. And then what happens when you get frustrated? You quit, you cancel. And then 
three years from now, you're going to go, man, that guy told me that I should have been eating more while I was injured. And I wonder what would have happened if I'd listened to his advice, the professional that deals with thousands and thousands of people a day. Right. So when I say something, I'm not saying something, you know, based on my opinion. Right. Or what I would personally want for you. Right. Because I don't want anything for you personally. Right. The everyone has different goals and we tackle all those goals in a different way. Okay, we've got a couple more in here. Um, Jen's asking, over the years, I've noticed I have, I have a few different set point weights that I settle into. How do I push past, past a set point? And is there a way to create a set point for when I hit a goal weight? So set point theory is a theory, right? So it's not proven. Um, I do believe it's true. Now, here's a, here's a couple thoughts that I have based on that theory, right? The more muscle you have, the more you can change your set point, right? So that's one answer. So the answer is if you can eat at a surplus and you can train in a way that you can build muscle and that you also are at the age where, you know, your hormones aren't compromised and things of this nature, then you can affect your set point positively. Um, in terms of, you know, your genes and things of this nature, these are really difficult questions, you know, um, because there's some people that are just meant to be 200 pounds in 5'4", and they spend their whole life trying to be 140 in 5'4", right? And so a lot of people's thought processes of, you know, what they can be, what they should be, things of this nature, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. What I think is most important is, is when we reduce calories in a fat loss cycle, we reevaluate at the end, and then we determine what the next stage is going to be. I think when you talk too broadly, it, 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 you know, I don't, I don't mean to use this flippantly, right? But it's more of a wish than an actual plan. Like a plan is I can take these 16 steps and do what I'm going to do. Once I've done those things, then I'm going to reevaluate re and figure out what the next thing is. I'm a big believer in set point. But what I don't believe is that people should be paralyzed by it, right? Um, or, or have some, some thoughts about it. Because, you know, if we just keep running the cycles, right? See, the big difference between what we do at Eat Reform is that we are a food as an ally program. We're really the only food as an ally program. But what does that mean? Well, that means that we can rinse and repeat these cycles and every single time we get new information and we can reuse that information to come up with uh, more understanding each time. So you'll learn things about yourself the second time you do fat loss in two years, right? rather than the, the first time, right? So the first time the conditions were different. And we really do need to stop questions. Um, we were supposed to be done at 7.03 and we're still going. So um, we'll answer Vanessa's and, and that'll be the last one. Okay, so Vanessa's asking, um, does weight oh, was loss- that the, Hold on, was that the last one? There was one more about creatine. Um, just yeah. your opinion on creatine, where was I, sorry. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> that was so Canadian. <laughs> Thoughts on creatine? Okay, what is I, your I take? Come, yeah. Do what's we, your take on working out on an empty stomach? Yes or no? And creatine? I don't have an opinion on it one way or the other. Um, the um, I know scientifically your body figures it out, right? So if you're more comfortable working out on an empty stomach, go ahead and do it. Um, if you think that there's some advantage to you, it's not. Um, what I would suggest, so I'll give you, I'll give you three examples that will help. At 5.30, I'm working out on an empty stomach and I'm relying on the, the previous night. At nine o'clock, I'm still good. Coffee is fine, no problem. At 12 o'clock, I'm gonna have a meal at nine o'clock because I want to make sure to have some available energy. So if you knew that it was of no benefit, what would be the best choice? And actually, I know, I know we're pressed on time, but this is so important to say. Every decision you make in your healthful life from this moment on, I want you to think of this question. What decision would, it, would I make if my weight didn't depend on it at all? If you were going to stay the same weight, one way or the other, what decision I would make? And through that filter, you can change your life completely. Thoughts on creatine, everybody should be taking it. Um, you know, every time I miss taking my creatine, I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating. Um, had, a, had a client ask, you know, should I stop it in a fat loss cycle? No, because it will preserve your muscle and give you some reps that you wouldn't normally have the energy for. Um, could you cycle off it like the last week or two to maybe eke out a little bit? Let you know when when you're maybe doing a little bit more lists and things of this nature. Maybe, right? Um, I wouldn't, but I know why some of you would, and I have no problem if you did that. Um, okay, so Vanessa's. Vanessa's, yeah. Does weight loss still occur in AP phase after coming out of fat loss one? So every coach on this, this call can tell you the same answer. It depends on the person, right? We've seen people lose an additional 10 pounds coming into AP. What should you expect? You should expect to stay weight stable, fluctuating, two to three pounds. That's what you should expect, right? Um, but if you're coming from a really restrictive dieting way of thinking, you know, I understand the fear, it's, it's unwarranted, right? Um, your body actually does wanna be at that number. Now, where it is warranted is you should almost view fat loss as like a seven to eight week cycle because what happens is, is if you come out of fat loss and you immediately jump into wine and pasta, not the time for wine and pasta, right? So, so be real careful about that. So I would definitely view fat loss as an eight-week cycle, right? But, but just because we're going to get your, your, your calories back to normal. Um, and that's when you can maybe eat a little bit more flexibly or start adding a meal or something. So I'm going to get back to this one, one last question because I said we'd in, but the Maori person did not, um, 
added in chat, I came from an undereating, overeating exercise background, and I expected to start in PR, but I always started in fat loss. How is this determined? It's determined based on what the customer asks for, right? So if you wanted to start in PR, but you said, I want fat loss, which is common, right? Like, you, you know, someone asked you, hey, would you like to lose fat? And you're like, oh, heck yeah, you know? But but if you came from an under eating or uh, over exercising background, we wouldn't know that. So message your coach, let them know, hey, I want to start in um, PR. That's how that will happen. All right. This was so awesome. All of your questions were great. I mean, you know, these have scared me because, you know, there's just so many directions that this can go. I mean, when we as coaches what we're in this for, what makes us want to do this every single day is to help people. You know, we know the things that all of you want to know. And so I love answering these questions. All of you did a great job. Having so many people on this call was very gratifying and I really appreciate everybody being here. Um, there were so many questions of, that we weren't able to get a lot of the coaches that are involved, but many of your coaches are actually on this call. So. I appreciate everybody being here, having such great questions. We will upload it as a podcast if you want to re-listen to it. So uh, I appreciate everybody being here and we will talk to you later. Bye now.